Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now this podcast contains adult content Some of the themes or topics may include information on murder, kidnapping, torture, dismemberment, maybe some demonic content with information on positions and paranormal activity. This podcast will also include explicit, horrible and foul, socially unacceptable, totally uninhibited adult themes language. So if you're easily offended, if you're easily triggered, then I highly suggest you turn this off now. And if not, just keep in mind, parental discretion is advised. Like I said, I was going to try to keep everybody up to date with the Lake Mead bodies. And we do have some information on the body in the barrel. Not information on who it actually is, but we do have some info on who it could be. So first, let me state these sources. We have Las Vegas journalist John L. Smith, who wrote for the Nevada Independent. We have Casino.org, an article posted on May 19th, 2022 by Philip Conneller. And then we have the Las Vegas Review Journal by Jeff Burbank and Jeff Schumacher of the Mob Museum. And that was from May 19th. Jeff Burbank happens to be a content development specialist at the Mob Museum in Vegas. He is the author of Las Vegas Babylon, True Tales of Glitter, Glamour, and Greed, Jeff Schumacher is the museum's vice president of exhibits and programs and the author of Sun, Sin, and Suburbia, the history of modern Las Vegas. Burbank and Schumacher are both former Review Journal employees. So, needless to say, their research and knowledge on this topic in and around Las Vegas is pretty amazing. And most of this information does come from them. So on May 1st, the remains of a decomposed human body stuffed inside a corroded metal barrel were discovered in the mud of Lake Mead, which is currently receding like fucking crazy. Jeff Burbank and Jeff Schumacher, like I said, of the Mob Museum, said that uh, this discovery does bear all the resemblances of a mob hit and historically this is a mob method for disposing of bodies which we do know you guys have listened to my mob episodes before we know this is how they get shit done a lot of times investigators say the body was likely placed in the barrel in the mid to late 70s or early 80s based on the victim's clothing and shoes 
Now, according to Burbank and Schumacher, the victim was shot in the head execution style. I will be perfectly honest with you. They are the only people that I have ever heard say the guy was shot execution style specifically. I never saw authorities say that. I've never read it from any other source other than these two guys. So that is not entirely confirmed. Now, there is a chance that whoever this person was, they might have been killed by mob enforcer Anthony Spilatro. We know it's Tony Spilatro. We've all seen the movie Casino, right? He oversaw casino operations for the Chicago outfit at this time in the mid to late 70s. Police say the killers transported the barrel by boat several hundred yards out into the lake and dumped it in what was then about 100 feet of water. I'm pretty sure they figured if it was ever going to recede or dry up, they weren't going to be around when it did, so there's that. They determined the clothing was purchased in the mid to late 1970s at a Kmart discount store, which is, as we know, far from the clothes of a lot of mobsters. They are always very well-dressed, very expensive clothes. Now, I will say that this is according to these two guys. According to authorities, I have only seen them report on the shoes. The timing suggests the killing occurred between, like I said, the 1970s and the early 80s, which does coincide with the most violent period in Las Vegas. There were all kinds of mob hits, street crime, all kinds of stuff going down. According to the research of Burbank and Schumacher, there are three possible victims that could be in this barrel. Trust me, there's way more, but these are three who might just fit this scenario. All three of these men, all three of these men had links to the mob and disappeared at that time and their bodies were never found. The main one being Johnny Pappas. Pappas was a Chicago native. He had mob connections. He worked his way up in the casino industry and he had worked at the Las Vegas Hilton and Caesars Palace casinos. At the time of his disappearance in August 1976, he managed Lake Mead's Echo Bay Resort. Echo Bay was a hotel on the lake that was owned by the Argent Corporation, which also had four casinos on the strip and was a front for the mob. Not only did Pappas work on Lake Mead, but he also owned a boat that was docked on that lake. As reported by Vegas journalist John L. Smith, Johnny Pappas found employment in the casino industry at the Castaways, Las Vegas Hilton, and Caesars Palace. By the mid-1970s, Pappas was managing Lake Mead's Echo Bay Resort, a Teamsters Central States pension fund financed project for the Argent Corporation. Echo Bay Resort is now closed, but like I said, it was a hotel and a boat launch. So on August 18, 1976, the day that he disappeared, Pappas told his wife he was going to JoJo's Restaurant at 1531 Las Vegas Boulevard South near downtown Las Vegas to meet someone interested in buying his boat. Four days later, his car was spotted in the parking lot of the Circus Circus Casino on the Strip. Police did investigate the disappearance but found absolutely no trace of him. The outfit very well could have had a motive to take him out because he had a lot of details about the skimming operation 
at all the casinos owned by the Argent Corporation. And at this point in time, they were starting to unfold. Authorities, people like that, were starting to look into this. Now, if that is the case, and the fact that he owned a boat on Lake Mead, we can place him at the scene of where the body was actually found, and around the time that the murder could have occurred. And it wouldn't take much to think that after he's killed, he's shoved in a barrel. They just take his freaking boat out there, dump his body offshore into 100 feet of water without even thinking twice about it. Another one of the people is Jay Vandermark. A lot of speculation is centered around him. He was a gambling machine cheater and he was trusted by the mob to oversee its slot machine operation at the Stardust Casino on the Las Vegas Strip. Vandermark was hired by Lefty Rosenthal in 1974 to oversee the slot machines at the Stardust and the other three Argent-controlled casinos, but he was really there just to run the skimming operations. Vandermark facilitated the skimming of between $7 million and $15 million worth of coins from the slot machines. But unfortunately, in 1976, the Nevada Gaming Control Board found out about this operation. So Nevada gaming regulators subpoenaed Vandermark as a witness to the crime and he fled to Mexico. And he was rumored to have ended up in Costa Rica. Unfortunately... He ended up double-crossing the mob and went on the run. The outfit suspected him of only giving them $4 million from the skimming operation and pocketing $3 million for himself. For a while, Vandermark's son Jeff, who was working with the gaming board, communicated with his father and said that he might be willing to return to Vegas to testify. Vandermark was last seen at a Phoenix hotel in September of 1976, and this case obviously never made it to trial. Now, based on federal court testimony, outfit hitman who ended up turning into a federal witness, a guy named Nick Calabrese, he said the outfit learned that Vandermark was hiding at a luxury hotel in Phoenix called the Arizona Manor, and this was owned by an outfit associate. They sent two guys to go meet up and kill Vandermark. And then those two guys buried his body in the Arizona desert. And this is according to Calabrese. Vandermark's body was never found. And in a weird turn of events, in April of 1977, his son Jeff was found murdered at his Las Vegas apartment. The Vegas police investigated that murder and arrested a suspect and concluded that the motive for his death was robbery and not tied to any of his father's activities. Third person we have is a guy named William Crespo. He is a former resident of Puerto Rico and he was a drug runner who was caught flying into Las Vegas from Miami with $400,000 worth of cocaine in 1982 and agreed to become a government witness. Crespo vanished shortly before he was due to testify against seven individuals with alleged links to organized crime, including former Argent executive Victor Greger. Now, the date of Crespo's disappearance in June 1983 makes it less likely that he's the man in the barrel, 
That is according to their research. I personally disagree because authorities have stated numerous times the close comes from anywhere between the mid-1970s to the early 1980s. So I'm definitely keeping this one open as a possibility. Now, a lot of details about this guy have been lost. We don't know much about him. But he more than likely had some valuable knowledge about the Argent skimming case. Now, given the evidence against him, Crespo accepted an offer of immunity to become a federal informant and protected witness to testify about the multi-million dollar drug ring with which he was involved in. The U.S. government spent $13,000 for his relocation and living expenses, and his testimony before a federal grand jury helped lead to the indictment of 10 defendants, including that Argent executive, Victor Greger. Now, because Crespo disappeared and could not make it to trial, the federal judge had no choice but to drop the charges against seven defendants who pleaded not guilty. So the one thing that links all these three guys together is the Las Vegas mob operation of that time, which was Argent Corp. It was a front company for organized crime, and it ran some of Las Vegas's top gambling operations. Argent Corp owned the Stardust, Hacienda, and Marina Hotel casinos on the Strip and the Fremont downtown. The mob stole or skimmed a percentage of those revenues and delivered them to the crime bosses in Chicago, Kansas City, Milwaukee, and Cleveland. And how skimming works is you're hiding legitimate revenue from the federal government and trying to avoid taxes. That's basically what's going on. In 1974, the LA Times reported that between 1971 and 1974, Las Vegas saw more gangland killings than in the previous 25 years combined. Now, if all of this holds up, there is one main theory that leads us to a likely killer. That would be Tony Spilatro. He was considered a suspect as either the trigger man or the director in almost 20 mob-related murders and disappearances from 1975 to 1977. His weapon of choice was a 22 caliber pistol, which he would put a suppressor on, and he would fire it into the victim's head. In the mid-1970s, Spilatro worked behind the scenes of some of this shit to make sure that all of this cash coming from Vegas made its way to the crime families in the other cities. And the thing is that there were suspected mob hits happening across the country everywhere at this time. In 1977, FBI agents from Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Chicago, Detroit, and New York gathered in San Diego to discuss a rash of two dozen alleged contract murders nationwide. Each of the victims died from a shared method. One or more nearly point-blank shots in the head from a 22 handgun, which was favored by several hitmen, not just Spilatro. And it's because you could put the bullet into the skull without having a bunch of uh, blood blowing back on you, and the exit wound sometimes was non-existent. The bullet would just bounce around inside the skull, kind of shredding up the brain a little bit. Now, Spilatro was arrested several times. Sometimes he was brought to trial, he was never, ever convicted of a homicide. 
Now, the Clark County Coroner's Office estimates it could take as long as a year to identify the body in the barrel, and the investigation will include the examination of familial DNA. In the meantime, the guys from the Mob Museum, who had phenomenal information, huge shout out to them, they are going to continue to research to try to shed some more light on this mystery of this body in the barrel. And then the Metro Police Homicide Lieutenant Ray Spencer said in the press conference on May 3rd, like I stated in the first uh, episode that I did about this, he expects to find more bodies as the water level recedes further. And that is definitely not unheard of. I could see that happening most definitely, Uh, especially being that close to Vegas through the 70s and 80s. Man, it'll be wild to see what happens. But anyway, that was a quick update. I will try to keep you guys posted on any news that comes out about this. And yeah, until next time. 